There are times where, for example, two weekends ago, I set really clear boundaries and I always say I need to take a weekend because I know that needs to, you know, I'll be better with my work, I'll be better with the people I'm interacting with and I need that time. And also two weekends ago, I couldn't take that. We had a huge crisis and I had to work through the weekend and I didn't sleep for way too long. And actually that's important too. Hi everyone, I'm Hetty Holmes and you're listening to Hacking Happiness with Dose, the podcast that explores what makes us feel good to get those happy hormones firing. Next, we have Grace Beverly, a multi-entrepreneur who is the founder of sustainable style brand Tala and fitness tech brand Shreddy, which she launched whilst at Oxford University. We talk about her new book, Working Hard, Hardly Working, about how to achieve more, stress less and feel fulfilled, her attitude to side hustles, how important her dog is to her mental health and the sacrifices she's made for her success. She's only 24, but wow, has she achieved a lot already. If you haven't already, we would love it if you could rate, review and subscribe. And if you haven't already, please sign up to our newsletter at www.whateveryourdose.com forward slash newsletter. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining us on the Dose Podcast. It's a real pleasure to have you on. I'm so excited to be here. I'm very excited to um, be chatting about the book. Amazing. Well, before we get to the book, which is coming up tomorrow, I believe, um, we wanted to just start by talking about your career, which I'm sure a lot of people might be familiar with already because it's it's a really interesting thing that the fact that you're this multi, multi-entrepreneur, I think you launched three businesses. Uh, one's been absorbed into another company, so it's two now. Um, but you did this while you were at Oxford University, which is amazing in itself. And you've got something like 1.5 million followers, 10 mil sales, Forbes 30 under 30, the list goes on. You're incredibly driven and highly motivated person um, and an inspiration to many, I'm sure. But have you always been this driven um, from a young age and what inspired you to want to succeed? Um, oh, well, first of all, thank you. That was a lovely intro. Um, it's made me feel very, you know, warm inside. And I think, I think it's probably less a question of how driven I've been because I think I always have been driven but I think part of it is I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't part of it like I've always had this kind of I don't know slight anxiety to do well um and just to kind of keep reinventing to go um you know to kind of keep going keep doing more keep doing better and I think that that's got the good side to it obviously um you know I I know that one of my probably one of my best traits is when I don't get something either I know that that's still something I want and I go 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 for it or I just say okay that wasn't right and then I reinvent and go another path and I think you know that's one thing that I I really I guess value about my work ethic but other than that I actually think that a lot of um you know a lot of what I've done it's been more it's really easy to look at something and say you know it's been this this and this and there's this award and this accolade but actually it's a lot more gradual than that and it's a lot you know I've I've had a very exciting career so far um but it's you know it's just be, it, a lot of it has kind of made sense like one business then made sense to start the other one and it made sense to absorb into this one and it's just been about kind of constantly just seeing what I can do better what I can do more of what I can do less of um and I guess getting to this point 
Yeah, it's like I guess like people do see you as a fitness influencer first, who then you know built this huge following and launched these businesses. But from reading a bit about you, you do have an incredibly hard work ethic. Um, I think I read in one interview you saying you know you were working on your uni studies late into the night in the library till like three a.m. Then you were up at six a.m. doing a pitch for one of your new businesses the next day. So you're a grafter too. You're no stranger to hard work, right? You're that's incredibly um, important. <laughs> I, yeah I'd probably say that's true but I'd also say you know I'd, I guess I talk about in the book as well um yeah. I'd say that's very true um I'd also say that you know there there are times where that's been really like balls to the walls and for example um I talk about how in my last term at university I had like 40,000 words due I also had um a I was launching well I was rebranding one business launching another business um then five exams within 10 days that were all kind of 100% of my degree um and I think I think a lot of it you know there's definitely a work ethic thing there and that is one thing that you know I think I I do very much have but then there's also I guess I what I'm learning now is how to I guess balance things better and to understand that actually it doesn't always need to be go 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 and actually sometimes when you step back from that you often enable yourself to do better or to enjoy it more or to kind of understand and internalize that success as well um so that you can kind of benefit from that rather than just always going on to the next thing um but yes I, I think a huge part of my identity um and that's why I wanted to write the book as well has all, often been I guess tied to productivity and output um mm -hmm. and you know, knowing that actually the one thing I can really do, no matter what where I'm at in my life, is just work hard and put that graft in. Because mm. even when you were kind of back at school, you were like the head chorister, weren't you? You've always seemed to be like quite high achieving. Um, is this something that your parents drilled into you? Were they quite successful in their careers and did this sink in from a young age? Um, my my parents are certainly very hardworking, and I think that they there was definitely an influence there in terms of, I just always saw them hurt, working hard. I never saw um, that as a kind of, I never saw that it's strange to have, I guess, two parents who were very much into their careers and worked really hard and were often out working and all of that. And I think, you know, I, I mean, I think people often assume that I had probably had really pushy parents, but actually I think it was probably very much the opposite. They did their thing and they worked hard and they encouraged that, you know, if you want something, you know, you better work hard to get it because no one else is going to get it for you. Um, and that's always, I guess, been very much in, instilled in me. But, you know, all of um, actually uh, my sister helped to edit the book as well. And I was talking to her about it at some point in there and kind of saying, like, what is it? Because we don't have pushy parents. So, like, what is it? And, and she was like, I think it's just how our parents are. Like, that's just the thing they have. It's like, if you work hard, you get things. If you don't, you might, you know, you might still get things, but actually um, you've got to put in the graph. No one else is going to do it for you. No one's going to, um, yeah, no one's going to put that work there and you'll have flukes and you'll have things where you worked really hard for and didn't get. But the one defining factor is how, in how you can, I guess, make that better is to, to put in the work. Yeah. And also, I guess, a, a real responsibility for the environment, too, which is Generation Z are kind of growing up with this, aren't they? Like, that we have to fix the planet, we have to save the planet. And the, the businesses that you've built um, put a lot of emphasis on on um, the ethical treatment of the of the products and, you know, the, the fact that they're vegan and sustainable. So can you talk a little bit about that and, and the kind of responsibility you feel to create companies that are ethical? I think... I've always known that if I was going to create something, then I was going to do it, I guess, right. I think that there's also a difference between, you know, I was 
when I was starting Tala, for example, um, which is our sustainable style, so sustainable clothing, um, I really just wanted to, I wanted to do it right. And I wanted also the, the reason I started it was very much because I didn't feel that area was being catered to. Either the things were sustainable and extremely expensive, or they were pretty much fast fashion within the activewear industry disguised in slightly higher prices um, because they're activewear. Um, and so I really wanted to work out whether it was even possible to make sustainable activewear and ethically produced activewear in a kind of comp affordable competitive price point. Um, and then I also thought that, you know, at that point, when I was really looking into that and starting that, I was still very much on my journey moving away from fast fashion. It wasn't that I was kind of always into this. I was like probably at some point just really horribly into the idea of kind of constant consumption and fast fashion. And then I think when I decided that I wanted to do something and I wanted to start something, there's also a difference between personal consumption and being a good organization. And that to me was then really important to get that right. Cause it's one thing having a slip up and ordering a dress from some fast fashion brand but it's another thing mass producing it um and um that for me was really important and i i guess neither of the businesses were started for the sake of it they were started to fill a gap and to provide something that i didn't feel was being catered for and didn't feel was being provided and i was the ideal customer for that so i guess i really understood um what that should look like and what the values of the brand should be, but also how we could translate that in a way that hopefully doesn't make sustainability look a certain way, um, because it's important, also important to, I guess, when trying to change consumer habits to give people options where they feel great in and they look great in as well. Mm. yeah amazing I, I've uh, I've got a pair of the leggings and the shorts and I can confirm they are so comfortable and do oh, I'm suck so everything glad. In, in the right places <laughs> and I've just had a baby so it's brilliant for me um so <laughs> so getting to the book so you touched up, uh, earlier upon the fact that you obviously you had this very strong work ethic growing up and stuff but then now you've learned with hindsight perhaps that it's better to work smart but I guess you are someone who's you've got very successful quite quickly so you, you have you're in a position where you can be like that so I've, yeah. I've come across people before who've said to me oh you work too hard you know you've got to you know work less and do this but I think when you're building a startup like you have it's like very important isn't it to put all that energy in at the start and then once you've built a business and you've got the right people doing the right jobs you can kind of sit back and and learn to work a bit more smart and I think this is the focus of the book isn't it it's like I think it's called working hard hardly working within the book what I really wanted for it to be is that you know I, I'm writing this while also, I guess, while I was even writing the book, I was writing it three days a week. So I was having to fit running two businesses in beyond that. And what I really wanted to, I guess, say was that, you know, that's not easy. There are times where you need to really lean in and you need to do more. And as you say, I mean, startup culture as a whole, it doesn't stop. You can't just say, okay, well, these are my boundaries. I don't work past 6pm. So this huge thing that's come in at 7pm I can't do you have to be able to do that and you have to be able to do that in a lot of jobs and I guess the difference between that and what I'm saying in the book is the idea that actually okay there's that and there's also under internalizing the fact that you do have to be working all the time and that if you're not you're lazy and every second that you're not working you're foregoing extra monetization or you're foregoing success when actually the idea of rest and self-care really feeds into an enhancement of productivity and a better understanding of productivity and how you can um, work hard. So for me, you know, it's 
I, I, I acknowledge in the book, for sure, there are a lot of areas of mobility that I have that a lot of people won't have. I can say, you know, you need to time block. And actually, if you have no control over your schedule, because your, you know, your work controls that or your manager controls that or whatever, then it's not, it's not going to be possible for you to say like, oh, sorry, I can't do that meeting then. This mm-hmm. is, you know, this is what I do. That's not how it works. The important thing is beyond that and our values and our priorities and our boundaries when it comes to work and where we need to draw lines beyond that or how we can make the time in between those fixed commitments working better and working more effectively and how we can acknowledge that rest is important and that productivity and self-care are two sides of the same coin rather than needing to choose whether you identify with being a productive person or identify with someone who cares about themselves. Yeah. And, and so getting to self-care because you you touched on it there so it has a lot to do with you know serotonin which is like the s and dose and it's, it's very important for like regulating our mood and making sure we feel imbalanced and happy within ourselves um and you talk a lot in your book i think about the your generation's obsession with productivity and the kind of pressure we have of these side hustles which i don't know if it's like a new york influence but it it's very much making us feel like we have to be many different selves and be achieving all the time so what is your kind of thoughts on that especially when a lot of us committing and burnout which has awful effects on like our sleep for instance and our kind of self-worth well I think the the important thing that I really wanted to get across was that self-care doesn't always look like sitting back and putting on a face mask and sometimes self-care looks like actually having a side hustle because you know that that's going to be the way that you're going to be able to launch business that you know you see as your idea of success or has been something you really want to do so I think there are I guess there are some quite contrasting views on the idea of self-care because it's seen as either I guess a waste of time or kind of a cult like this wellness idea and so actually reframing the idea of self-care to not about just watching Netflix or cancelling on your friends because of this, that and the other, or or kind of getting in the bath when you've got a project due. That's not self-care. And the important thing that I wanted to really get across was actually when we need to look at self-care differently and we need to sometimes look at self-care as actually finishing that thing you started that you keep saying you won't finish, but you think self-care is actually just getting in the bath um, and actually just reanalyse what self-care genuinely means and for me you know I think it's important when we discuss these things such as side hustle culture that we really analyze the fact that it's it's not that they should be blanket demonized I built my entire career on side hustle on side hustling (laughs) I guess um but actually what is important is that we don't look at that and then think that every single hobby we have has to make money or every time we're not doing our day job, we have to be doing some other job or selling things on Depop or driving on Uber or on Deliveroo or or kind of making something on Etsy. All of those things are fantastic and all of those things are very, very valid and they are a huge part of the choice that makes this generation so fantastic. However, there is a problem when it then comes to the idea that actually every time we're resting, we're foregoing the idea of success. So for me, that's really important because I think that then when we blanket demonize these things, we forget the fact that A, the culture has gone that way and you can create really fantastic things from that. It's not about that. That's a lot more, there's a lot more complexity and nuance in it in order to be able to understand there are benefits to it and there are you know, there are there are downfalls as well. And it's all about the way we operate with it. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I was on a workshop earlier today about sleep as well. Like if you're not tired, you shouldn't force yourself to go to bed just because you think it's the right thing to do or a sleep expert said that. Like you should kind of carry on with what you were doing that evening. And it's the same thing, I guess, with this, what you're saying with side hustles. If like if there's something that you're passionate about that is going to eventually drive you down a really positive path. then Yeah, and I also think there's an idea of that, you know, if you look within the past year, side hustles has been a way where a lot of people have been able to actually diversify and create a living for themselves when we've been in an environment that's been really really hard to navigate so I absolutely would want the last thing for me to be doing would be to sit here and be like oh no we need to not think about that actually there are times you know there are times where for example two weekends ago I set really clear boundaries and I always say I need to take a weekend because I know that needs to you know I'll be better with my work I'll be better with the people I'm interacting with and I need that time and also two weekends ago, I couldn't take that. We had a huge crisis and I had to work through the weekend and I didn't sleep for way too long. And actually that's important too. And we can't, if we're viewing it in this kind of two di- two dimensional um, view of kind of like, this is bad and this is good, then we just miss the point again. And that's what I really, really don't want. Um, and I think that, yeah, you're exactly right in that there is a place and a time for everything. But we, what we need to not do is, I guess, look at something all in one and say, this is bad. This is good. I mm. need this because this person says I do. Actually, no, you need to look at your working habits. You need to look at your you know, parts of work that make you feel bad or affect your self-worth or the idea that you tie your productivity to your self-worth. And that's what you need to examine. There's no black and white answer. There's no rule book that anyone else can give you for yourself. You need to be asking these questions for yourself. Yeah. And especially during the pandemic, a lot of people have had to diversify, haven't they? And, you know, they've been furloughed or they've been fired from their jobs and side hustling has been a great way for them to kind of explore new territories. And how has your business um, coped during the pandemic? Is it is it I guess because Shreddy is an online service, so presumably that's done quite well. Yeah. So they're they're both D2C direct consumer businesses. So they've, you know, we've been incredibly fortunate to be in positions where these are you know, those are the industries that did well. We didn't need to shut down any retail. We didn't need to make huge losses because of the fact that we were kind of paying rent for somewhere that we had absolutely no footfall. Um, so, you know, I'm really pleased to say that we got through the pandemic without furloughing anyone, without any um, redundancies related to kind of COVID or anything. Um, and so I'm kind of, you know, very proud of that. And it's been very difficult to navigate. Um, I guess, you know, I had a lot of interviews this time last year where people were saying, you know, how are business leaders uh, dealing with this? And for me, it was really, I was kind of saying, actually, this has been the first time that I feel just as out of my depth as everyone else, rather than being like the one person who's like, oh, I've actually never dealt with this before. Let me go read 100 books before I can attend this meeting. Um, And for me, it was just, you know, about constantly just trying to do the right thing and to make sure that people within the business were feeling comfortable and you know I I understand especially a lot of my friends have um you know entry-level jobs within their industries and and the anxieties that they were sharing with me I knew, knew so clearly that people within my organizations would be feeling exactly the same so the important thing for me was really to be able to reassure people and to be able to have those conversations with people and to also continually like we've always prioritized the idea of protecting mental health and you know we've always had mental health days in people's contracts where they can just call up their manager and say can't do today <laughs> feeling like shit not have to explain it at all um but actually became there's a huge heightened importance that I think people will have really realized over the pandemic even bigger businesses that actually don't necessarily pay attention to these things because it will have come in the way of their idea of productivity and people putting 
workout and the idea of output because people have been so affected by these things. So for me, it was just really important to understand what both my customers and also my employees needed during that time um, and be able to, you know, navigate it based on that. Yeah. And how do you feel personally as like a founder um, of these companies? Like, how do you make time for yourself when you're feeling sleep deprived or anxious? Do you have to just like get on with a job or like like you said earlier, do you carve out some time where you try and get away and kind of, you know, so that you can come back with more productivity? So in the, I guess, new year 2020, that was when I set my boundary of I will always take weekends. And that was, Mm. you know, really, really clear to me. And there have been probably three or four weekends where I've broken that rule and that has been needs must. And, you know, as I say, like two weeks ago, if if we'd had this interview then, I guess there are lots of areas that I'd just be like, you know, a lot of the time, you know, these boundaries, you know, what makes you work better, you know, that this can help and you can't do it. Like, I know that getting more sleep would be better. But in that moment, I can't physically do that because there is so much physically that I have to do and it can't be from anyone else. So, like tough shit <laughs> gotta make yeah. it happen and and there is part of that and and understanding that that's needs must and that is that is situational rather than being a I guess mo a way of working um has been really important for me so I can look at that and I can say yep no I completely understand you you're telling me I need to work less hard currently not an option thank you I do know this is not how I work best but actually it, it's got to be done so I'll um you know, I'll, um, I'll, I'll revisit when we're through this crisis or whatever it might be. Yeah, that's great. And so getting to kind of oxytocin, our bonding hormone related to our relationships and how we connect with others. Um, so being this incredibly busy and driven, like how has this affected your relationships? And there will always be sacrifices, I guess, no matter what you do, um, whether yeah. you work kind of particularly hard or not particularly hard, there will always be sacrifices that come with that. Um, and for me... You know, yeah, there's there's a lot I've, I guess, I, I have a huge amount of privilege and have been hugely fortunate to be in the situation I'm in. And also beyond that, you know, I went to university expecting a university experience very much due to my, no fault but my own, you know, very much did not have that. Um, had a lot of, I guess, difficulty when it came to trying to balance everything and trying to have these relationships and build friendships and and go out and be young um and then there's a point that you know there's a point that it's not your I guess your choice anymore once you build a once you build a business you have a duty to the employees whose livelihood relies on it whose mortgages rely on it whose um you know all of that you have a duty to that you have a duty to yourself you have a duty to your customers you have a duty to your you know shareholders if you have them um and so I guess there's a, there's a lot that comes with that. The job doesn't stop. Your work is not going to look at you and say, oh, she doesn't like to work weekends, so we won't give her those big fat crisis on a Friday night. No, that's not going to happen. And so there have, you know, there, there have very much been, um, I guess, things that come into that. But it's also in part, in, a, in large part, it's been a lifestyle that I've chosen. It's also one that makes me makes me happy in the way that I know I am happiness when I am doing happiest when I'm doing head down work and actually I guess after these crises I probably feel the most fulfilled in some like perverse way um, (laughs) because actually getting through that with a team of people that you really believe in and really appreciate is incredibly fulfilling Um, and so 
you know, there'll be sacrifices with everything you do. I'm also a, a kind of, you know, I don't have children. I don't have dependents. I, I'm very free in a lot of ways. So there'll also be things that I haven't, you know, there'll be so many things that I haven't had to sacrifice. And there are so many benefits I've got from from being where I am. So, you know, <laughs> keep some and get some. <laughs> <laughs> and you've uh, you recently bought your first house. I don't know how recent, maybe it's been a while now. Um, but you, you share it with your friends, don't you? What's it like for them, um, like responding to your success and, and how is it being their landlord? Does it does it get in the way with your friendship? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I actually get the, asked this question a lot, which is so funny because obviously it's so it's so like a I guess an extra fact about me that I live with my with that I live with my friends. Um I I mean it's it's great. It's a way in which I can really maintain, I guess, the working lifestyle I have whilst also getting a bit more of that um that that fun and that I guess you know I'm 24 like I (laughs) I still need to be able to enjoy that and I think that's something I've really recognized over the past probably year especially whereas prior to that I've always been you know as I've said I've always had this kind of anxiety to do well um and with that comes I guess this obsession with growing up really quickly or fulfilling things really quickly and ticking all of these boxes and actually one of those boxes that I want to tick at the moment is also letting myself be a human being and in my 20s and enjoying all of that so um well I mean probably rest off asking them but I don't think there are any strange dynamics it's just you know um it's it's really it's really great to be able to be around um them and they all um you know they all work and do their own thing and it's fantastic to kind of have have great people around me um who you know who light up my day when I'm feeling <laughs> shit <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a, a dog as well haven't you and often dogs yes, are he's actually are... behind me Oh, in he's with fireplace. you. Not yeah. actually on fire, just for clarity, for <laughs> anyone who can't see this video. Um, but oh, he loves to sleep oh. in the fireplace. Very nice. That's a good spot. Um, and so how crucial is he to your mental well-being, would you say? And, and why did you get him? Why did you bring him into your life? Um, so, very good question. I um, actually, I brought him into my life for exactly that reason. I... I w- had to go away on a month and a half work trip by myself. Um, then one of my friends actually came out and joined me, um, but I was having a kind of particularly tough time. And I think that was one of the times where I was really realizing that I wasn't necessarily happy in what I was doing or the, you know, how much I was working and how much I, I guess, was sacrificing. Um, and, but also didn't know a way out of that because when, I guess, as I've said, one of the things I know I do well is work, work, work. Um, and, um, um, you know, that has its downfalls. Um, and so for me, it became quite apparent that I needed some things to help me step away from that and actually having something dependent on me, um, like a dog where, you know, I was living in a flat at the time and um, I, you know, would have to take him out six times a day or something. And usually if I'm stuck on a project, I won't even stand up for my desk for days. So that things like that were really important. And I started thinking about it and then I started having a browse on um on a website of kind of dogs available for rehoming and everything. Um because I didn't want to buy but also I have some quite severe allergies so needed to make sure it was um something that I wouldn't be allergic to because that would be even more traumatic for the dog to rehome and then um not be able to um take him. And then um I I inquired about a few dogs with um health problems because I kind of thought you know what like that that's something I 
I can deal with. And I guess if, if something's being like a dog's being rehomed for, for that type of thing, that's something I can accommodate. And I have a very dog friendly lifestyle. I guess the only thing would be the traveling, but then I have people around me um, and who, who would absolutely love to. I live with people and all of that who can very much accommodate that. But, you know, dog friendly office. I have that job security where I know I'm not suddenly not going to have a dog friendly office because I choose the office um, and um, and all of that. And um, then I I put in an inquiry for Ziggy who's sitting behind me um and rehomed him at about when he was about six months old I believe um and it just hadn't worked out with the family before um and we've been inseparable ever since even on the day I feel like he really chose me (laughs) oh that's amazing and it's great isn't it they give you like the warm fuzzies when you feel like you need that hug and yeah yeah I mean it is it is just that oh he's just sat up there you go you can get um but but (laughs) oh no so moving on to endorphins which is our uh, often we associate with exercise right it's what makes us feel good after a workout um and your business shreddy is a fitness uh app isn't it so people can access online workouts there and um obviously you've got the kind of kits that you can buy through it as well like the resistance bands things like that so um let's go back a little bit first to talk about your role as a fitness influencer before you built these brands and and how the fitness landscape has changed in that time because you've probably you know been really in the thick of it and now have been able to kind of step back and reflect on how it's changed so yeah what are your views on that yeah I mean I think it's a really interesting question I think obviously I've even though I've moved out of the I guess fitness influencer role I've I'm so within the landscape because I have these businesses that are exactly there so you know we work with fitness influencers I keep tabs on everything all the time because that's the industry um, and you need to be able to spot the trends you need to be able to look at what people are interacting with what people are enjoying what people are not enjoying um, and that's you know so so I'm still very much I guess all over it um, and I think that the landscape has changed in a great way in lots of ways there's a lot more of a view on uh, I guess a healthy balance of working out and um, when I started Shreddy the idea behind it was that, you know, our, our kind of tagline is that we don't believe you should do workouts you hate to get results you love. Um, and the idea behind that is that it actually takes your preferences where you like to work out, how long you like to work out for, what type of workouts and tailors that towards your goal rather than, I guess, what was the traditional fitness industry at the time, which was, oh, well, you want to lose weight. Well, you have to do this. You have to do this. You have to do this. And actually completely neglecting the idea that actually if you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're not going to stick to it. And also there's just it's just shit not to enjoy something. You shouldn't you shouldn't, I guess, try and change your life in a way that you don't enjoy. Um, I guess I mean, there's the delayed gratification part of that. Sure. But actually in you know, in the long run, if there's something you can do that you enjoy to get there, then that's better um, in enjoying the journey and everything. So so that really was the idea behind Shreddy. And I guess the fitness industry has changed a lot in that direction. And in the direction of, I guess, fitness being different for everyone and fitness being a lot more accessible, and a lot more of a kind of, not a look, but uh, either a state of mind or a or a kind of lifestyle, um, and I think you know when when I was a fitness influencer, I used to get questions the whole time, being like, "Oh, do you drink because you're so fitness?" And I used to just be like, 
<laughs> I mean, first of all, like I, I share my journey online and have since I tried to get into fitness. It wasn't from at that point. It wasn't from an expertise point of view. But and, and that's a you know, it's a valid question in a lot of ways. A lot of people don't and all of that. But actually understanding that it's not an in or out. It's not a club that you have to kind of be exclusively part of or work out five times a week to be able to um, get there. And I think that's been a really powerful change of the fitness industry. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been really kind of proud for us to have been part of that Mm. and now that gyms are open again that doesn't matter for Shreddy right because your workouts can work with your gym workouts it doesn't you don't have to be kind of exclusively at home no so so yeah we I guess we've kind of have had the best of both worlds um in the in and out of gym situation home workouts have always been our bread and butter because actually when they weren't offered as much we you know a lot of our equipment shreddy has a, an equipment arm to the business as well or what we call our kit and that's all about you know creating your own per- portable gym or things that don't actually look horrible that you don't need to hide away but actually enhance your i guess your living room if you've got them under the sofa or on the side or something um and so for us it's been really important it's always just been important to give people options that they enjoy and and then to listen to people about how we can do that better, how we can do more of things, what people and really look at the data to see what are people enjoying? What does the data tell us in terms of how people want to work out and then doing more kind of in that direction? So. So, yeah, as we've gone back to the gyms, you know, we've always done gym guides um, and they've always been really fantastic I've always absolutely loved them um, and have given people a real I guess a route and a navigation around the gym um, and how to make that work for them Um, but equally we have just as many um, home workouts 10 minute workouts and all of that to actually make sure that it can fit into anyone's life no matter how fitness kind of seems to them yeah and for you personally like what gets your endorphins going more than anything Oh, um, I'd say it's really important for me, probably more so now, even than when I was a fitness influencer, um, is just consistently understanding what makes me feel good in terms of things like working out. So, you know, I worked out this morning, I worked out yesterday, I worked out Monday, I pretty much in the week, I pretty much do work out every day more because I am a routine, I guess, addict. <laughs> I like things to be the same every day. So I'd actually rather work out five days a week than four days a week so that I actually stick to that routine. Um, but I know that that's something that's probably quite unique to me. Um, but so so for me, it's just all about understanding what I need. Do I need something that's like a real sweat that's going to make me feel like I've let everything out? Or do I need something that's, I guess, I find the idea of like lifting weights really empowering um and I find being strong really empowering so for me it's just about understanding what that looks like to um to me and to I guess you know just how you know that will change from day to day from month to month from season to season um and being able to just listen to my body and to be able to work that out better amazing so before we finish could you just summarize your the book that's coming out and your two businesses just for those listeners out there that might not have come across you before and how they can access you online as well in terms of the businesses so tala is at we are tala on instagram and shreddy is at shreddy um and they are available shreddy's available on your app store tala's available on your websites um and the book is available if you um I have a kind of link tree to all the because there are lots of different territories and for where it's best to get them I would always encourage people to support smaller bookstores um so you can get them from a place like bookshop um and um yeah and I have that all linked in my bio on Instagram at Grace Beverly 
Awesome. And the book is called How Working Hard, Hardly Working. Is that right? Yes, it is. Sorry, I very much should have said that. The book is called Working no, Hard, called- Hardly Working. Um, and it's split between the two, but you'll see why. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today. It's been a real pleasure having you on. And I know that you're a super inspiring person to many people. So yeah, thank you for keeping up the good work and keep doing what you're doing. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been great to chat. If you have any questions about today's podcast, please drop us a line at hello at whateveryourdose.com.